Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by ICOM. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about ICOM radios. It's ham radio with Neil Rapp. Here we go. Welcome to Ham Talk Live. Call in. Let's talk. Neil's your guide. Ham Talk Live. Here we go on Ham Talk Radio. Hey, good evening, everyone. Boy, it's been a couple of weeks here. It's uh, time for Ham Talk Live, episode number 195, the AMSAT 50th anniversary recap, recorded live on Thursday, January 9th, 2020. Ooh, I missed that in the the script. It's 2020 already. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in. To this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight, we're joined by Paul Stetzer, N8HM. He's the executive vice president of AMSAT, and we'll take your calls live in just a few minutes. Hope you had a great last couple of weeks. I had a lot of traveling going on and uh, just decided to take a couple of weeks off the show. Uh, it was, it, and it was probably a good decision. There was a lot going on and um, it, it was just kind of messy. So, uh, my apologies for being gone, but I hope you, uh, you had a great, uh, holiday season. And if you're behind on listening, I hope you had a chance to catch up over at hamtalklive.com or on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube or catch the rebroadcast over on WTWW 5085 AM at Saturday evenings at about 630 PM. Eastern time. And, and now, you know, I took two weeks off. I don't think I've ever taken two weeks off. And now we've got another week off coming up. Uh, I've got a work conflict on February 6th. So just a programming note, uh, I'm going to be gone again on February 6th, but, um, we're inching up to episode number 200. And, uh, it looks like that's going to be on February 20th. And I've uh, been talking to some folks, and we've got some giveaways planned for that night. Uh, and we've got a, got a plan for that show. It should be a fun show. Um, ICOM is, is going to give us uh, some swag bags to give away, and Tower Electronics has got some stuff. And, and LDG Electronics is, is going to donate a prize, and uh, we're glad to have them on board for episode number 200. So uh, be sure to make plans to tune in live on February 20th, and maybe you can be a winner. 
So get your questions ready to go about AMSAT. If you're listening to us live on Thursday night, you can call us after the interview. The telephone number is 812-638-4261. 812-638-4261. That's 812-NET-HAM-1. So keep that number handy and we'll let you know when it's time to call. You can also send a question via Twitter and you can do that right now if you like. Uh, we can uh, catch up with that at any point along the way. So our Twitter handle is at HamTalkLive. I'll be back with Paul right after this word from Tower Electronics right here on HamTalkLive. I'm sorry to bother you, but I'm having an antenna party and I ran out of PL259s. Oh, come in. Thank you. Would silver-plated PL259s from Tower Electronics be too good for your guests? Those will be fine. Thank you. You saved my life the other night. Oh, the PL259s from Tower Electronics? Yes, they were very successful at the antenna party. My antenna works like a charm. Then how can you ever thank me? I'll try to think of something. Don't be caught without PL259s. Visit Tower Electronics at a ham fest near you. Or visit them online anytime at pl-259.com. Or call 920-435-2973. They have adapters, cables, antennas, soldering supplies, and meters too. Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Hey baby, I'd love to be in your grid square. Thanks to Scott and Jill at Tower Electronics for sponsoring the show again tonight. To help bring you Ham Talk Live, they are uh, dividing and conquering here for a month or so. Uh, So they've got two shows some weekends. Uh, The 11th, uh, they're at the Tark Fest in Tampa, Florida. On the 18th, Fort Myers, Florida. The 19th, Wheaton, Illinois. The 25th of January, Arcadia, Florida, and Collinsville, Illinois. And uh, you can always catch them at pl-259.com. Well, Paul Stetzer, N8HM, is with us tonight. He is the Executive Vice President of the Radio Amateur Satellite Corporation, or AMSAT North America. He is also a member of AMSAT UK and the Potomac Valley Radio Club. Paul became first licensed at the age of 14 and upgraded to extra within a few months, and he has a long list of awards he's earned on the air and formerly a member of the Michigan State University Amateur Radio Club. So if it wasn't a copyright violation, I might play the Michigan State fight song for you, Paul, but... It's a copyright violation, so yes. I guess we won't do that. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Neil, and it's it's good to be back. In fact, I'm uh, you know I'm, I'm missing a MSU basketball game first. The first oh no! Year, so. Oh oh my! <laughs> that's oh, no problem. Wow. No problem. Now, now that's what you call Sunday. sacrifice. <laughs> When you when you miss Sparty for Ham Talk Live, that that's <laughs> wow. Okay. 
Well, it, it's uh, good to have you back, and the 50th celebration, um, the 50th anniversary celebration is in the book, so let's let's talk a little bit what ha- about what happened. Um, I got to be a little bit in, in, involved in it with uh, the W3ZM activation, so uh, why don't we talk about that? Okay, well, yeah, uh, we had a great year uh, celebrating 50, uh, 50 years of, uh, of AMSAT. Uh, we had a number of events that we did on the air and, uh, uh, and in, in person as well. Um, we had a couple of awards. The first was the Friends of 50 Award, which was uh, easy enough, make 50, uh, 50 satellite contacts, uh, um, 50 different days, and, uh, and get an award for that. Uh, but our larger, larger on the air event was, um, was activating, was using our club call and getting our club call activated from all 50 states. Uh, something, uh, Robert Bankston, KE4AL, or Vice President of U- User Services, uh, came up with, um, basically based on what the AWRL did for their, uh, centennial celebration back in 2014. Although we did it in a, um, in a much less formal, uh, fashion, uh, much less organized fashion, really, but uh, it worked out great, and uh, we were able to get um, uh, again AMSAT's club call uh, W3ZM, uh, which was actually um, in the uh, issued in honor of uh, of uh, Harry Helfreich. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that name right, but he was he was uh, AMSAT's treasurer through the early years. Uh, he, unfortunately, he um, he passed away shortly before. Oscar six was completed and his, his name and call signs actually, uh, emblazoned on Oscar six, uh, now uh, out orbiting the earth at about 1400 kilometers could tribute to him. But, uh, shortly afterwards, uh, AMSAT, uh, received his, his call sign as a club call. Um, so we were able to, uh, activate that, uh, again, from all 50 States as well as, uh, Puerto Rico and, uh, here in Washington, DC as well. And, we made about 2,000 QSOs between uh, mid-June and uh, and leading up to our uh, AMSAT symposium in, in Arlington in October. Yeah, that, that was pretty cool. I, I'd got a few in from Indiana and I think Ohio and Kentucky maybe even, um, but uh, didn't get a, a whole lot of them in there. But I know there were a lot of them. And, and sometimes we, we'd talk to each other, which was kind of weird. <laughs> It'd be, you know, yes, W3ZM Portable 9. This is W3ZM Portable 8. And we're like, what? Yep. <laughs> yes. Always fun when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the big party. We had the, the AMSAT Symposium going on and, and had the, the cake and everything to make it official. So, um, And you had some uh, pretty special guests there as well. So... Uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the big celebration. Yeah, so in uh, in mid October here in uh, in Arlington, Virginia, just outside of uh, Washington D.C., here we had uh, uh, our our annual symposium, and uh, uh, we had a several special guests. We had uh, Lance Jenner, K6GSJ, who was um, from uh, from Project Oscar. Uh, he he actually was one of the builders of the first amateur radio satellite, Oscar One. Uh, that launched in in, uh, in in 1961. Uh, so he was able to join us, and it was uh, uh, just as a side note, it was very very neat to see him. Uh, we went on on Sunday. We had a tour of the Udvar Hazy Center here, uh, which is an annex of the Air and Space Museum out near Dulles Airport. And one of the launch vehicles that um, uh, that uh, that um, 
uh, Oscar one was on the same type that was, there's actually a model of it there. And he, uh, he was able to point to the spot where they mounted Oscar one. You can see why it's shaped the way it is. If anybody has seen a, a picture of Oscar one, uh, it's, it's shaped a specific way to fit a specific opening on the rocket. And it was, it was cool to see him point out that, uh, that, uh, part when at the, uh, Air and Space Museum. Um, in addition to, uh, to Lance, we had, uh, George Jacobs, uh, W3ASK. Uh, he is, um, in his mid nineties now, he was a, a columnist for, uh, for CQ magazine for a number of years, as well as, um, as well as, uh, in, in the foreign service here, here in the United States as well. And, uh, he was one of the influence. He was one of the people who made the connection, uh, from the, uh, California project Oscar when, when they started, when their opportunities, uh, for launches started to, to diminish because the center of the space industry really moved out from out in, uh, California out to here in, in the Washington DC area with the opening of, uh, Goddard Space Flight Center. So, um, he helped to connect, uh, interested hams here. Uh, Perry Klein, W3PK, our, our founding president, Jan Keen, W3GEY, who are also both, uh, both at the, um, uh, at the symposium. And he, he kind of connected them to Project Oscar. And that led to, um, to both to the formation of AMSAT as well as, uh, as well as the first project. So AMSAT's first project after we were founded in, in, uh, 1969, was to arrange the launch of a satellite that had been built uh, by students at the University of Melbourne in Australia. And they, um, they had uh, written to uh, Project Oscar and asked them, if we build a satellite, can you get a launch for it? And uh, Project Oscar replied, uh, well, well, we'll try our best. Uh, and they completed their satellite and sent it over to, um, uh, to California where it where it sat for a couple of years uh, before uh, you know before it was brought cross country after AMSAT was founded and um, and uh, and launched and um, launched on January twenty uh, third of nineteen seventy so the fiftieth anniversary of the launch the first satellite launch arranged by AMSAT is uh, coming up here in, in in two weeks so we had uh, uh, Dr Owen Mace and uh, Richard Tonkin who are both uh, uh, who are both involved in that effort. Uh, they they flew over here to uh, to speak about uh, their experience building um, AO5 Australis Oscar five and um, all their experience with that and we had a a great uh, Saturday evening banquet uh, that if any, anybody's interested in seeing the panel of speakers um, all these all these guys uh, spoke um, at a panel at a banquet panel and that that video is on our the AMSAT's YouTube channel if you search for the foundations of AMSAT. Uh, you'll find uh, you'll find it and be able to view the um, the, the banquet speeches uh, uh, yourself. So it was a great event. Um, all of our uh, living former presidents were uh, in attendance, um, and uh, there was a big cake celebration on Friday night. So it was it was a great event, a great celebration of the past fifty years, as well as uh, look forward to the next fifty years. Okay, now I remember Patrick talking about. Um, a symposium a few years ago in Washington, D.C. So I have to ask the question. Mm-hmm. Was anybody interrogated by the Secret Service or police <laughs> or anything with their aero antennas trying to operate during the symposium? No. <laughs> no. Well, you, no. Um, yeah, the, the area of Arlington, Virginia that we were in is, isn't 
necessarily too near the Pentagon or any secret uh, uh, facilities or sensitive facilities, at least that we know about. Uh, and it, it really, the, the horizon in Arlington wasn't great. And there was only a couple of uh, passes. I think just one pass anybody actually worked uh, uh, during the symposium itself in, in uh, next to the hotel. But uh, uh, not a great... Uh, not a great place to operate <laughs> from with all the tall buildings near uh, near the hotel. Well, I had to ask, so <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did my duty there. Well, you know, the past 50 years has been pretty amazing, and there's a lot that's happened, and, and it's just incredible that these things can be engineered and, and put together and and affordable <laughs> and, and and launched and you know you, you got to play around with uh launch schedules and we'll talk about that a little bit in some of the upcoming launches but it, it's just, there's just a lot of things that have to come together to make this all happen and so we've got 50 years of of history behind us let's take a look at the next 50 years what what's what's coming up in the next 50 years and um, you know, what, what's coming up next? What, what's coming up soon? Well, uh, I guess we'll, we'll talk about both the, uh, immediate short term and then we'll talk about the, uh, the, the future beyond that. But, uh, uh, you know, pace hasn't slowed down at all. We're, uh, gearing up here for some, uh, some exciting events coming up in, uh, just, uh, just a few weeks time. Um, the, uh, Husky Sat one, uh, it's not AMSAT satellite. It was built by uh, by students at the University of Washington, uh, but uh, that uh, that satellite is currently uh, in orbit. It's currently in on board the uh, Cygnus uh, spacecraft, the Northrop Grumman Cygnus uh, cargo uh, spacecraft, and it's currently berthed to the ISS. Um, so it is in space in um, a couple weeks' time. Uh, it will. Uh, it will. Uh, the Cygnus is going to leave the ISS, move up to a slightly higher orbit, uh, and then deploy Husky Sat One um, uh, into into orbit. Here uh, again, that's uh, coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, uh, the exact date isn't quite uh, quite known yet, but um, uh, once that once the satellite is deployed, now Husky Sat One is a is a three U cube set that carries some experiments. Uh, a pulsed plasma thruster to t- uh, test how that works in in orbit, as well as um, as well as a 24 gigahertz transmitter to test some high speed uh, microwave data uh, from low Earth orbit to the uh, ground station at the University of Washington. Once that mission is complete, there is also an AMSAT uh, VHF UHF transponder on board. It's uh, it's a linear transponder that will. Uh, receive at VHF and retransmit at UHF. So the idea is, is uh, again, once once they're done with their science mission, uh, the satellite uh, be tur- is turned o- is going to be turned over to AMSAT, and uh, the amateur community is going to have access to that transponder. So uh, that should the, again that deployment should be coming up near the pos- probably at the end of January, uh, and then um, uh, and then after a, a, the mission is complete. Again, uh, amateurs will have the opportunity to to use that satellite. Then, um, uh, also uh, upcoming is uh, the final, uh, the fifth and final of the Fox One satellites, uh, Red FX Sat Two, uh, also known as Fox One E. Uh, that's scheduled to launch no earlier than the first quarter of this year, though 
it is um, it's manifest on the second flight of Virgin Orbit's uh, Launcher One uh, air launch to orbit uh, system that goes up a, a seven forty seven, and then the the uh, the rockets fired from the uh, uh, from the seven forty seven uh, into orbit. Uh, Virgin Orbit is, appears to be targeting a test launch in mid February. Uh, so assuming that uh, stays on schedule and, and goes as planned, uh, you know, within uh, a couple months after that uh, would probably be the uh, the second launch. Although, again, that's uh, not known uh, at this time when exactly um, that launch will occur. Officially, uh, the launch is no earlier than uh, first quarter of, of this year. But uh, uh, as always, launches do tend to slip. We've been saying no earlier than for uh, a, long, a long time for that one. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, that's and part then, of uh, that's part of the challenges of of getting things into orbit is delays and more delays. Yes, especially when you're uh, again we we uh, uh, were this is a launch that's provided through uh, through NASA's CubeSat launch initiative. Uh, it is um, you know we we do get the launch paid for. Uh, but again, we, we don't, we, we have to fly whenever, uh, whenever, whenever we fly. Right. So, uh, we don't really get uh, much of a say in, uh, in that, but, uh, again, that's, uh, you can't beat the price. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, uh, and then after that, uh, or well, maybe after or before we don't know. Right. But, uh, uh, in, in March, the, uh, first, uh, flight unit of the Ares next generation, radio system is scheduled to launch uh, to the International Space Station um, on uh, SpaceX's uh, CRS-20 uh, resupply mission. And that uh, uh, that radio system uh, provide a, a much-needed upgrade to the, uh, to the, to the, uh, to the radios that are currently uh, in the uh, Columbus module of the ISS. Um, uh, everybody who has worked ISS packet in the past knows that um, – that system has been uh, up and down now for the past uh, past couple of years, and uh, this will um, this will provide that uh, uh, that capability uh, again. Um, make hopefully make it more uh, more reliable, and uh, also uh, open the door to a lot of different options here in the in the future. Um, one thing that the, that's been available on the ISS in the past was a FM repeater, but um, and that hasn't been activated for several, uh, basically activated for the public for several years. Um, so again, hopefully this this new radio system is designed with uh, some uh, thermal modifications and such to to be able to run it for longer durations. Uh, and hopefully there'll be more uh, more opportunity to to utilize both the, pa- the packet uh, digipeter system as well as the FM uh, repeater on board that uh, on board the ISS. Uh, once that uh, once that gets into orbit and gets set up uh, here uh, coming up in the next few months. Now, I've I've got a question that just popped into my head, and, and we've been talking about um, you know a lot of the um, replacement ISS radios and, and fundraising and trying to get that all going. We're real excited about all of that, but now. Uh, uh, something just kind of popped into my head, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I'll ask it. Mm-hmm. Does the old radio come back? And if so, what's done with it? 
Well, that's that, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, uh, whether or not uh, that will be uh, that will be stowed, um, whether or not it will be uh, returned on a on a on a dragon that has the capability, the down mass capability to bring uh, experiments back to Earth, or if um, given that it is end of life, it's possible that it would be that it would be uh, 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 discarded um, in a cargos uh, such as a, a progress or other cargo craft that uh, that uh, actually burns up in the uh, atmosphere but um, uh, I, I don't know the answer to that it's 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 uh, hopefully it will be um, uh, it will be brought back at some point and uh, made available as as an item to uh, uh, to do, to uh, to display as something that's spent uh, I mean the the uh, Ericsson HT in the Columbus module is something that's been there since two uh, since the ISS was first uh, first populated in 2000, so it's been up there a, a real long time. So it'd be nice to have that piece of history. I, I don't know the answer to that. And, and, and just curiosity, it might be kind of cool to figure out, you know, what failed. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> maybe that, learn that, from that's it. True too. Uh, well, the, the 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 radio. I guess the the the. Um, Ericsson, actually, I guess the Ericsson up there now was actually a replacement, if I remember correctly. But yeah. uh, getting into the weeds a, a little bit there, uh, but uh, yeah, um, like I said, I, I that yeah, that certainly would be a, would be a, a, a neat to 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 get it back. I I don't know if that's planned. Yeah, well, that's the immediate future. No, no, let's let's go long range here. What what's the long range plan? Well, there are two. Uh, there are two major uh, major projects that we're working on. Uh, one of the exciting uh, projects uh, is uh, is amateur radio on on the lunar gateway. Uh, we're working with um, our Eris partners, including a- other AMSATs around the world, uh, to develop uh, a radio system, uh, an amateur radio system for the lunar gateway. The lunar gateway is is a, a space station. A small space station that's uh, going to be built by NASA and others uh, to be placed in, in lunar orbit uh, and uh, to serve as a waypoint for uh, future manned missions in the Artemis project uh, to uh, to land uh, land uh, uh, crewed missions um, on the moon. Um, so we are working on uh, that uh, again with with all of the various. Uh, amateur radio on the International Space Station partners, as well as other AMSAT groups, to design uh, that system. Now, the system would include the um, ability for uh, for the same types of activities on the ISS, such as school contacts. Uh, now, Lunar Gateway won't be uh, won't be uh, crewed the entire time; it'll only be crewed at certain periods of time. But when uh, when there are astronauts on board. Uh, there would be the potential for uh, for two-way school contacts with uh, with the astronauts in lunar orbit, which would be really really quite an experience, uh, even more so than uh, simply uh, on the ISS. You take that to another level when these are orbiting the moon 200, <laughs> miles away. Uh, that would be a quite a quite a, a quite an experience. Um, the other opportunity would be um, would be actually the opportunity for uh, students and others to interact with experiments on board Lunar Gateway, actually through uh, sending data and commands back and forth and getting telemetry data from experiments on board. Um, and, and then the other opportunity would be, the other feature of this system would be a two-way 
uh, two-way uh, system that um, that would allow for uh, QSOs over basically worldwide as the uh, orbit of the moon progressed. Um, now uh, this would this, this would be using probably a, a 10 gigahertz downlink. And then uh, likely either 2.4 or 5, 5.6 gigahertz for an uplink. Um, and uh, uh, it actually doesn't cost as much as you might think. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's something that a lot of people, those frequencies are something that a lot of people, uh, a lot of hams haven't, haven't utilized in the past. But, um, but there are ways to do it uh, that are inexpensive and don't require a, a ton of a ton of um, a ton of investment in equipment, so it should be something that should be accessible uh, to the average ham with a with a you know a, a dish that wouldn't be too large and an equipment that wouldn't be um, uh, too expensive. Um, so, in a in a similar vein, uh, would be uh, uh, in addition to the Lunar Gateway project, the uh, our major satellite project at this time is is Golf, which is. Uh, not only the next letter phonetically from Fox, Fox, Golf, but also uh, a backronym, I suppose, for a greater orbit and larger foot, footprint. So the uh, first Golf satellite is, is uh, currently under development, Golf T. Uh, and again, another sort of a backronym for a, <laughs> a, a technology, I believe, technology evaluation environment. I'm sorry if I got that wrong. Uh, any of the engineers are listening, but uh, uh, it's it's uh, it's uh, it's it's designed as a as a test bed for uh, for technologies that we would need um, for putting cubesats in higher and higher orbits. Uh, you know, we're talking about returns to uh, to HEO type orbits uh, with this uh, with um, in a in a cubesat form factor. Um, now, the previous satellites in high earth orbit were uh 150 kilograms uh for ao10 and ao13 were 150 kilograms each and then uh, uh ao40 i believe at uh, 625 kilograms or something like that um so now getting that sort of launch today is uh incredibly expensive um it's really outside of the the budgetary resources. So, what the golf project is about is is trying to replicate as as much of that communication capability through uh, through a CubeSat. Uh, and um, so the first two golf satellites, Golf T and Golf One, are planned to be three U uh, CubeSats, so about the size of a loaf of bread, the same size as, uh, as the Husky Sat One that I talked about earlier. Or three, essentially three times a Fox satellite, and uh, these these are going to be um, uh, these are evolutions on the Fox satellite. But they'll have uh, deployable solar panels, uh, active attitude control, so it can keep its antennas pointed at the Earth, um, uh, and stably pointed at the Earth. Um, potentially have propulsion, uh, deorbiting systems. One of the complications uh, that didn't exist. 30, 40 years ago, um, is the uh, is the requirement for orbital debris mitigation. Uh, when um, when you launch something now, uh, it has to either go to a safe parking orbit uh, that's well outside of any populated areas of, of orbit, uh, like between 500 and 1,000 kilometers, or outside of that geostationary uh, belt. You have to be 
well clear of that, or you have to re-enter within, uh, currently within 25 years, although there are movements to even shorten that up. So, uh, you know, we, we just can't get a satellite launch to, you know, 1,500 kilometers, 1,460 kilometers like AO7 uh, is right now because um, those orbits would not, uh, uh, would, do not naturally decay in 25 years, more like a couple thousand. So, uh, we do need to have the capability to to deorbit or uh, move these satellites into uh, what's called a parking orbit. Um, so that's a, that's a, a challenge. The attitude control is a challenge, and then the RF is a challenge. So if if we're talking about going to uh, a highly elliptical orbit, a high Earth orbit uh, that has an uh, apogee up at uh, near the geostationary belt at around thirty five thousand kilometers. Um, the path loss and the uh, to that to that that far away uh, basically requires us to use uh, in, in the available power in a cubesat the available space because there's not a, out of room for any sort of antenna uh, requires the use of microwave frequencies uh, and well as um, all sorts of other things but um, again we're looking at 10 gigahertz. Uh, 5.6 gigahertz, uh, potentially 1.2, 2.4 gigahertz uh, to test out and to, uh, to see what produces the best results. Uh, but um, the core transponder in the Golf Series will be a, a software-defined radio that will be able to be configured in any number of different uh, types of channel configurations uh, used for digital uh, digital voice technologies, digital um, data technologies, and, and all sorts of things to uh uh, to uh, efficient, efficiently relay um, uh, communications uh, across that long of a distance with uh, having such uh, small power uh, in orbit and while not requiring any um, EME class uh, giant dishes here on Earth where you know we'd, we'd like these to be accessible uh, using a one meter uh, or less dish, um, something that um, most hams could uh, could put together. Lots and lots of uh, of things to uh, work on and um, and get right before um, these take place. And um, I admire the um, the foresight and the and the challenges and and accepting those of of, of making all that work because that's uh, that's a lot to take on. Well, we're due for a break or we're a little over so we're going to take yes. a break right now and uh, we're going to come back we've got a couple of questions uh, and you you said the word geostationary so uh, we're going to come back and uh, pick up a question about geostationary here and take your calls live at 812-638-4261 when we come back after this word from icom right here on ham talk live new year new savings Bring in the new year loud and clear with some of ICOM's most innovative products. Check out the website for current promotions on ICOM's IC7610, 7300, and 9700. 
Start the new year off with the high-performance IC7610. It's a direct sampling transceiver that will change the world's definition of a software-defined radio. It has the ability to pick out the faintest of signals, even in the presence of stronger adjacent ones. With RF direct sampling, 110 dB RMDR, independent dual receiver, and dual digicel. With the IC7300, ICOM is changing the way entry-level HF is designed. This high-performance, innovative HF transceiver has a compact design that will far exceed your expectations. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, a large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and an SD memory card slot. The IC9700 was built with the VHF-UHF weak signal operator in mind with faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. ICOM's IC9700 is the pinnacle of perfection. A 4.3-inch color touchscreen, dual watch operation, and full duplex operation in satellite mode. Real-time high-speed spectrum scope and waterfall display. Voice recording and playback function with the SD memory card. And it supports CW, AM, sideband, FM, RIDI, and D-Star DV and DD modes. Visit www.icomamerica.com amateur for more information on ICOM radios. Join the conversation. Give us a call at 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. Now, here's more Ham Talk Live. Sorry for the delay. Your host, Neil Rapp, is reading a book on anti-gravity, and he just can't put it down. Now, here's more Ham Talk Live. Thanks to ICOM for sponsoring the show each and every week. Check them out at icomamerica.com slash amateur. Ham Talk Live is on the air every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time at hamtalklive.com. And be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And it is time, once again, for your phone calls. So if you have a question for Paul, give us a call at 812 812- Six three eight four two six one eight one two net ham one or you can tweet us. It's at Ham Talk Live on Twitter, and if you're listening to us on WTWW or on the podcast edition, we're not here. Sorry, uh, <laughs> it was Thursday night when we did this, so you won't be able to call in tonight. But uh, we do have a tweet here, so let's. Take a look at that, Paul, if we can. It's from Stephen N8DEZ, and um, he says, Is AMSAT uh, North America Board of Directors looking for launch opportunities other than LEO? Um, jealous of Oscar 100 in Europe and, uh, you know, maybe some uh, millennia orbits. And and he had to sneak in a go Buckeyes, so we'll, we'll, I guess we'll we'll give equal time there. So um, <laughs> we'll let the Ohio State fans have their moment. So all right, so go ahead. 
Well, uh, yes. Thanks for the question, uh, Stephen. Yeah. Um, you know, we're always looking for, uh, AMSAT is always looking for different opportunities and different ways to, uh, uh, to get to orbits, uh, higher than, than Leo. Uh, now most CubeSats, um, are destined for low earth orbit. Most, uh, most missions don't have a reason to go anywhere beyond there. So, uh, and getting a launch for anything other than a cube set is certainly uh, cost prohibitive. So um, it's uh, it's it's a challenge. It's it's one that we are looking looking at. Uh, l- certainly looking for uh, different launches to uh, a variety of orbits. Uh, one thing that may be available for um, for a, a future AMSAT satellite uh, would be uh, to launch to a geostationary transfer orbit. Uh, now, certain launch sites for geostationary transfer orbits would provide, uh, could provide similar coverage, uh, similar communications coverage uh, to uh, to something like AO10 uh, when it's at uh, at Apogee. Uh, so essentially, uh, worldwide coverage as as a satellite uh, progresses um, across the uh, uh, across the sky. Uh, with different windows to different parts of the world. So it's something that certainly is possible. Now, one thing that would, that would be uh, a a big investment uh, of, of money. It's something that uh, would require a significant fundraising as a fundraising campaign to, uh, to accomplish. And um, we would want to make sure that the satellite that is launched is, is, is good as, is well tested and as good as possible and the technologies that are in in the golf satellites like i uh, said earlier the uh, attitude control because if you're if you have a patch antenna uh, transmitting at 10 gigahertz from uh, from uh, from 35,000 kilometers away you certainly have to be pointed at the earth for for that to work um the um software defined radio transponder that can uh uh, that can be configured to accommodate uh, different types of digital modes or uh, different um, different channel bandwidths for different activities and such, um, maybe uh, wide band channels, narrow band channels, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, that that's something that uh, that uh, we need to develop and we need to get right. Um, the computers, the onboard computers in um, in the uh, in in the satellite need to be tolerant of, of the radiation, especially in a in a, a Molnia orbit or a geostationary transfer orbit or something like that. The satellite passes through uh, Van Allen belts and uh, is subjected to quite a dose of radiation. So the the uh, the onboard computers, the internal housekeeping units, as they're referred to on satellites, um, need to be radiation tolerant. And that's one of the things that uh, that's being developed uh, for golf uh, propulsion. Uh, to uh, to maintain your the orbit that you want to maintain and um, and uh, deorbiting mechanisms either via active propulsion or some sort of passive system if, if that's possible from that orbit are all things that um, that uh, we want to make sure work uh, number one want to make sure work that they work so that uh, uh, so that um, uh, spending a million dollars maybe on a launch to do this. Uh, is something that is successful because it's it's uh, it would be um, we would want to make sure that works if, uh, that would work if we were to uh, fundraise for and invest in in that sort of launch. Uh, the second uh, the second 
problem with uh, with getting to those types of orbits is is not not the financial part, but the regulators are going to want to know that you know what you're doing, uh, especially in terms of uh, propulsion and and uh, deorbiting. So successfully demonstrating those operations in Leo with uh, Golf T and Golf One uh, will certainly help to establish a track record. That um, that we can successfully operate those systems on a CubeSat and uh, uh, have that track record when uh, when uh, going through the licensing process to get approval to do that because that is um, you know, the regulatory matters are something that is a, a, an underrated challenge uh, for us at this point. It's it's certainly not all technical and not all financial, but there are uh, very um, the 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 um, perception of the orbital debris problem and the uh, public um, public policy with that and the uh, the regulators uh, want to make sure that you're not going to cause you're not going to collide with other spacecraft uh, you're not going to um, you're not going to uh, uh, stay in a desirable orbit as a dead satellite for hundreds of years you we the the um, the uh, cons- worldwide consensus is that uh, those who are building and launching satellites need to be responsible, uh, responsible operators, and we can't leave we can't leave our trash lying around in orbit. The uh, the orbital uh, orbital resources are, are too valuable for uh, for uh, for the future. So uh, so we, we need to be able to demonstrate that we can um, that if we're going up there, we're not going to cause a problem while we're up there. All kinds of challenges and. Uh I, I appreciate all of those, and um, it, it's it's a learning process. And so, you know, golf is a, is a step in that direction. And um, so, we'll we'll see how this all turns out. But I, I'm I too am a little jealous of the the you know AO100 because um, last month was yoda month and and so i you know was working with a lot of the kids to get them on the air and and i was seeing a lot of the 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 back chatter from europe um and all these kids over in europe are like hey why don't i meet you on uh you know uh 100 all uh you know uh how's 630 sound (laughs) and i'm just like that's so foreign to me because it's always okay you know i've got this 10 minute window and i gotta be in the right place and i gotta have it pointed just the right way and and we gotta you know there's 10 minutes and and if you're not ready it's gone and and they're just like no 6 30 sound tonight yeah um (laughs) no and absolutely i agree that uh that is a uh, the qo 100 is a is a fantastic fantastic resource and uh certainly um you know the amateur radio community over there has benefited greatly from uh from uh from the generosity of the the uh the the company the sil satellite company that um that uh, allowed the use of uh backup transponders essentially on the satellite to be used for amateur radio uh, use. Uh, I can't uh, state it too often that that is a a multi-million dollar per year uh, donation to the amateur radio community uh, that uh, that that company is making by providing that that resource. Um, 
And, uh, uh, you know, we, we have looked at opportunities for geostationary ride shares and, and they're available if, uh, if you, uh, if you pay the fee over here. So, uh, that, that fee is, uh, is, is, um, is, is not, uh, not necessarily feasible, um, given the amount of members and, and how much it would, we would have to commit to, 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 to do that, um, type of thing over here, um, no, oh, they're not saying that it's impossible, but uh, but it, there were a unique set of circumstances that led to that Absolutely. opportunity over in Europe. So um, again, we we continue to uh, you know look for any and all opportunities to uh, to get uh, to get up to uh, higher orbits, geostationary orbits, um, and uh, one thing that uh, in addition to placing our own satellites into orbit, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the uh, the amateur radio on the lunar gateway, uh, amateur radio system on the lunar gateway will provide that sort of um, that so- that same long range um, type of communication. Uh, uh, you know, when when that's completed, so that's also uh, a great uh, a great um, a great potential for the future there to have uh, worldwide communications via satellite. Uh, something that uh, you know we haven't had here and. Sixteen years here in the in the United States and North America. Let me throw the phone number out one last time. Here it's eight one two six three eight four two six one eight one two Nat Ham one. If you have a question, because uh, we're already uh, a little bit over time, so we're going to be wrapping things up soon. But uh, let's give one more opportunity for a call. 812-638-4261. couple of tweets. Josh, W3ARD, listening to Ham Talk Live. And, and Paul, talk about the future of amateur satellites. So, Josh, thank you for listening as always. He had a, a nice little uh, get-together on GoToMeeting the other night with some uh, satellite ops. I, I tried to, to get in, but it, it, scheduling didn't work. But... Uh, if he does it again, maybe maybe we'll do it again. Uh, Joe, KI4ASK, says, uh, great show. Thanks uh, to me and, and Paul and learning a lot about the complexities of designing, launching, and maintaining the sats we all enjoy using. So uh, Joe's uh, very appreciative of that, as as many of us are, I, I would say. So 812-638-4261, here's your last chance to... Uh, ask a question and um let's kind of run down real quickly the the status of 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 what's up there from amsat right now well uh so we have um uh, well, there are several satellites that aren't from AMSAT, obviously, but in terms of uh, the um, the uh, satellites that AMSAT owns, Oscar Seven is uh, up and working when it's uh, when it's uh, when it's not when it's in sunlight, just off uh, off the uh, solar panels. Obviously, the the batteries have been dead since about nineteen uh, nineteen eighty one now, but um, uh, that's up there and working. Uh, AO ninety one and AO ninety two. Uh, the uh, the core FM satellites currently uh, currently in operation are are performing great. Uh, AO ninety two uh, on uh, Wednesdays UTC is uh, it does use a a one point two gigahertz uplink that switched to the one point two gigahertz uplink for a twenty four hour period on on Wednesdays UTC. So that gives a, an additional opportunity to uh, to use a different band. Um, 
uh, Falconsat 3 is uh, managed by AMSAT now, and that has a uh, uh, 9600 uh, 9, baud uh, pack at Digipeter as well as uh, as well as a store and forward uh, message board capability. If uh, some, if anybody's looking to try some out something new, that's always a good one to uh, uh, to look into getting on. Um, now, in terms of AO85, uh, it has not been heard from since uh, I believe December 21st. Now, uh, it's it's possible that the batteries have um, have finally uh, failed. They've been in a seriously deteriorated condition now for about. Uh, two years now, a year and a half, two years. Um, and, uh, yeah, again, it, it's, um, I guess we'll have to wait and see if the batteries can charge up just enough and the, uh, and the voltages can get high enough to operate next time it's in a period of constant sunlight when it's in uh, continuous sunlight and, um, and we'll see, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, unfortunately it does look like AO85 is probably, um, uh, may not, may not come back but we'll see you never, you never know with these batteries and uh what, what they what they can <laughs> what they end up doing you know you might have a satellite like you know come back after you know what 20 years or something <laughs> yeah you know the nikad nikad batteries uh they usually uh, die short circuit but uh sometimes sometimes those short circuits open up and uh and allow the satellite to operate the uh the solar panels, so we'll see. So, so maybe the big question is: Will AO seven ever die? <laughs> That's an interesting question, and I, I do know that one of the uh, one of the lead designers, one of the guys that we did have at the symposium, uh, Jan King, um, he is of the opinion that it, it may not. Of course, eventually these solar panels will not provide enough power to operate. The the radiation will. Uh, cause them to deteriorate but other than that there may not be much for it to fail uh, the way it was built well that's a great story really great story of how this uh this thing came back to life uh just just amazing well paul we're we're already uh keeping yes. you late here so we're we're going to wrap things up um, and um, let me take one last look at Twitter here. Make sure we didn't miss anybody. Um, yeah, I think I think we're good here. So, um, any final comments here before uh, we we go uh, QRT for a while? Well, uh, thank you for having me on, Neil. Always a, a pleasure to to join you. And uh, you know, I think uh, just uh, just keep uh, keep keep uh, keep looking at keep. Uh, viewing AMSAT on Twitter and, and Facebook and AMSAT News Service because we do have a lot of uh, good things uh, going on over the next uh, few months and years. And uh, you know, if you're not a member, please uh, please consider joining at uh, AMSAT.org. Very good. Well, thank you, Paul, so much. Thank you. Well, that's a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. Thanks to my guest, Paul Stetzer, N8HM, and everybody out there in cyberspace for listening and typing in. And uh, come back next Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time, for a list of all of our upcoming guests. Just go over to hamtalklive.com. And if you like the show, please leave us a review. Uh, we're, we're not asking for money. We're not asking for uh, anything other than a review. So leave us a review if you like on iTunes or wherever you listen. That helps other people find the show. So this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG for now, saying 7375, and may the good DX be yours. 
Thank you.